0: Good morning. Good morning. It's a uh, it's good to see everyone here this morning. It's good. To s- <laughs> All right. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. It's a little dreary and damp and icky out there. But you know what? We're in the Lord's house and, uh, and we can celebrate and let us rejoice and be glad, right? Amen. Amen. And uh, so I would like to welcome everyone here this morning, and I uh, have uh, some uh, visitors here that I don't uh, recognize, but I uh, want to welcome you folks here this morning with us. Uh, we have a couple of announcements uh, this morning. Uh, number one, there will be a, uh, a special offering uh, for the uh, Jewett family as uh, as, uh Ian and Miranda uh, go to Boston with uh, Nora. Uh, I believe it's on uh, August 13th, I believe. And um, so just be in prayer for them. And you see in your, uh, you should have gotten a little, a little envelope. Uh, we will be having a, a special offering for them this morning um, to, uh, for any uh, special uh, monetary needs they may have while they're in Boston, um, whether they end up staying uh, at a hotel or whatever it is that they do, their additional needs, et cetera. So uh, if you're able and feel led, um, please uh, uh, donate to that if if you feel led. Uh, We also had the uh, uh, trustees and deacons had a a meeting yesterday morning uh, to discuss the work that needs to be done uh, before before uh, Ian and Miranda and uh, Nora move into the Parsonage and so we discuss the work that needs to be done and the funding of it, etc. And uh, the plan is that uh, we would like to have a uh, special business meeting uh, for members uh, immediately after church on Sunday, uh, next Sunday and we try not to do that very often because it's uh, <laughs> A lot of going in different directions after church, et cetera. But uh, if we could take uh, 10 minutes to uh, just discuss what needs to be done and uh, how we plan, how we propose to uh, to get that all done and the funds for it, et cetera, um, that will be uh, immediately after church next Sunday. Um, and uh, we're excited um to be able to, uh, to see things moving along there. And, uh, and I was just uh, speaking with Jane and uh, she's actually uh, uh, moving and mostly moved and settling into her house. And uh, so we're, we're thankful uh, for that. And uh, uh, also one other announcement, uh, not really related to anything, but just uh, since I was here, I was just happening to think uh, about our uh, Christian camps here in, well, in Maine and, and around the world, I guess. Uh, and uh, as the uh, Christian camps are gearing up again um, this summer, uh, we, have, uh, we have some that are going to be going. Gabe is going uh, to camp this week. Uh, he actually is going up to uh, Living Waters up in uh, Danforth. And, uh, and also we have um, uh, Janie's daughter, is uh, working at Camp for Haven, and so we think of all of the uh, counselors that are, that are working and, and operating on not a lot of sleep and uh, a lot high energy, et cetera, so it, uh, just keep them in prayer that they would um, be a good witness, a good example, and, uh, and that they would uh, be able to see young um, boys and girls come to know the Lord. Uh, any other announcements this morning? I know Ian has an announcement. Anything else this morning? Ian? Yes. Here? here here did did you say that already I think so. probably you did okay all right my my brain doesn't always remember things so. okay excellent excellent well let's uh, let's go to the lord in prayer and dear lord and heavenly father we thank you for this day We realize that every day is a blessing from you. We thank you for giving us life and how precious that is. We think this morning of of those that are not able to be here. We think of those that are ill with special uh, special, um, illnesses. Those that are known and not known, and as we go, as we go through our days, we pray that you'd help us be faithful to you in in whatever comes our way, and we know that that you will not give us any more than we are able to bear, and we thank you for that. We thank you again that we can be here in your house today to worship. We thank you for all of my Christian brothers and sisters that are here this morning. We pray that you would help us to worship in spirit and in truth and that your word would be spoken here this morning and we would not just be hearers of the word but that we would be doers of the word. Whether we're at work, or whether are at home, or whether we're with our families, or friends, or wherever we are, we pray that you would help us to live for you. We pray that you'd bless this service this morning, and uh, we think of again of those that are not able to be here this morning for whatever reason. And uh, we pray that you would bring them back to us soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Yes can we can we pray for them at prayer time? Excellent would that be all right? okay, great okay. all right. Uh, our scripture reading this morning is uh we will definitely I saw that uh, that prayer request uh on oh right here yes right here on our on the prayer on the prayer cards uh and happened to and I actually wasn't familiar with all the uh, details of that, but yes, we will definitely be in, uh, in prayer for the Tottenham family this morning. Uh, Psalm 14. If you'd like to turn there with me this morning, uh, I'll be reading Psalm 14. If you'd like to follow along with me. Uh, I was thinking how appropriate this verse is or this chapter is uh, this morning in our our country and in our society. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside they have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You, evil, you evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, But the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. And I'm going to go out here and turn the fan on. I'll be right back. That will help me. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> All right. Our opening hymn this morning is 196, and that is "O Come, Let Us Adore Him," and it is to the uh, to the tune of uh, the "O Come, Only Faithful." Is that it? Anyways, it's the tune. It's it's the tune to a Christmas carol. "O Come, Let Us Adore Him." And uh, let's stand and sing uh, 196 and let's sing all four verses. singing, Christmas in July. And would the uh, ushers come forward for the morning offering, please? And don't forget your deacon's funds.
1: from whom all blessings flow Praise Him, all creatures here below Praise Him above, ye heavenly host Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost Amen Brian, would you pray, please?
0: Amen. And if you would remain standing, please, and turn in your green book, we will sing number two, Is He Worthy? Number two, in your green book.
2: of the
1: Thank
3: Good singing, church. I'm going to take some time to go now to the Lord in prayer. Stuff falling off all over the place here. There we go. Got a couple of prayer slips here in the offering plate. Any other prayer requests we want to remember this morning? Brian. Brian. Okay. My prayer
4: is for my cousin Kathy, she's dying of pancreatic cancer, and they give her less than thirty days. Okay. Now whether she's saved or not, I don't know. She has the knowledge of the gospel as far as I know. It's never professed Christ. Okay. Now for a praise, the man I witnessed to must have been over a quarter of a century ago and found out he got saved. Praise the Lord. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, I did witness to him and did pray for him and come to find out that since then he's saved, Praise the Lord. It was a shock to me. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful shock. <laughs> Praise God. Uh for those of you who didn't hear, uh we're praying for Brian's cousin Kathy who's who's dying of cancer. We'll pray for the state of her soul. And, um, and a praise, uh, a man Brian witnessed to many back years ago, 90s. back in the 90s, uh, who, who Brian never thought would come to Christ. He, he's now found out has become a Christian. So praise God. Other requests, praises? Gail. Well, I should start with the praise also, and then an update about the situation in New Zealand. The praise there is that uh, nobody has physically lost
4: life. Um, so Amen. Amen.
3: thank you for the update Gail. Well for those of you who didn't hear we'll continue to pray for the uh, town of Westport. New Zealand and particularly the church there, who we've been connected to, sort of through Gale, and uh, I know they've they've lifted our congregation up in prayer over, especially over the last few years, and so we'll we'll lift them up in prayer as they're going through um, the devastation of that that flood. Yes, Maureen, continue to pray for Maureen's daughter Tara. And for the Topman family as well. <coughs> Sarah. Yeah, and for Sarah as well. And for Joy and Randy as they're, um, as they're caring for her and the family. And the yeah, Allison's sister, Andrea. And, Allison. and for Allison herself. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we've come to you this morning, and we've already sung to you. We've made a joyful noise to you, because you are the rock of our salvation. We have much to be thankful for as we come into your presence, God, because we know that every good gift comes from you, the Father above. You're... You're a great God, Lord. There is no God above you. There is no king higher than you. You reign above all things. The sea, the land, the lakes, the mountains, it's all yours. And we're yours. We belong to you. And so we come to you this morning and we want to worship you and bow down and acknowledge you are our creator. We confess, Lord. So we come to the end of one week and the beginning of another that, uh, that we're sinners we often go astray like lost sheep and we know your law we know the standard to love you our God with all our heart soul might strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves and we confess Father we very often fall short and we're keenly aware of that as we come into your presence and we confess it we bring it all out into the light and we ask Lord that you would forgive us of our sins and our iniquities. In Jesus' name, because of his death, because of his cross, that you would wipe us clean, that you would make us new. And we thank you, Lord, for the kind of confidence we can, we can ask that with. Because if you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who should stand, as the psalmist wrote? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With you, O oh Lord, there is steadfast love. In Jesus, Father, we have found plentiful redemption. Free us from the guilt, the shame, and the power of our sin. That we would truly be crucified with Christ. That it would no longer be we who live, but Christ who lives in us. That we'd put to death the deed to the flesh and walk in the Spirit. Teach us, Father, to walk as Christians. Make us more like Jesus. Father, we have a number of praises and a number of requests to lift up to you this morning. We we thank you so much for that praise that Brian's brought. Thank you for Brian's faithfulness in sharing the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would uh, would give each of us his boldness in evangelism. Uh, We have a lot to learn from each other praise you for um for this this brother now come to find out who was so resistant to the gospel back in the 90s when when brian shared it with him and and has now come to faith we thank you lord for that that example it's encouraging to know that our labor is not in vain that even if it's going to take 25 years lord you're you're faithful and so please give us patience, particularly with those who we're sharing the gospel with and we, we think they're hard-headed. It's, it's never going to get through to them. We pray, Lord, that you'd, you would get through to them. There's no one too far gone, no one too, too hard-headed to be softened by the love of Christ. We lift up to you, Brian's cousin, Kathy, who's dying of cancer. We don't know the state of her soul. Lord, we pray that you'd... Um, you would minister to her as she, as she nears the end of her life in, in this world, that uh, before she goes, she would have hope in Jesus for the next. Father, we praise you and we thank you for the report from Westport, New Zealand, that there was no loss of human life, a lot of livelihoods lost, hundreds of houses lost, but no loss of human life, and we thank you. We praise you for that, Lord. And uh, we continue to lift up the church there, who um, we've sort of been connected through by prayer and through our sister Gail and our brother Charlie. And we just pray that you continue to be with them, minister to them. And even in their time of need, that you'd give them opportunities to minister to their community, to show the love of Christ to those around them, that your name would be lifted high. We lift up to you uh, Maureen's daughter Ta- uh, Tara, continue to be at work in her life, Father. We lift up to you Sarah, um, who is in um, who is in rough shape in the hospital, and uh, and things aren't looking good. And so we, we pray, Lord, your your blessing over her life, and over her heart. Um, Lord, that even as she. Um, Yes, yeah, she's not totally aware of everything that's going on. That um, that she'd be aware of your presence. And that she'd trust in you. Pray that you'd be with her family, particularly with Joy and Randy, who are such a an integral part of our church family. Pray, Lord, that you'd minister to them as as they um, as they walk the hard road of watching all of this happen. Lord, we. We know you can you can save Sarah even now, and so we lift up to lift her up to you. And you're the great physician. Lord, we pray for a miracle, and then we trust. We say, "Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven." Lord, we lift up to you, Allison's sister Andrea, who has been covered in prayer for years, and we continue to pray for her. Pray that you'd be at work in her life as she deals with a multitude of physical maladies, that you'd be at work in her heart, softening her to the love of Christ. Pray for the Totman family. What a difficult, what an incredibly difficult thing to walk through. Father, we pray that you'd you'd be with them. We thank you for the way that the community has risen up around them. we pray, Lord, especially for friends or family uh, of the Topmans that are, that are Christians, that are our brothers and sisters, and we pray that you'd equip them to minister to the Topman family. Lord, if we have opportunity, help us to do what we can to comfort, to provide, that the church would um, be conspicuous as the hands and feet of Christ. We lift up to you all those who are in uh, Christian camps across the state and, and around the world, as Kevin said this morning. We think especially of Camp for Haven and Camp Living Waters. Gabe uh, is up at Living Waters this week, so we pray that you'd be with him. We thank you, Lord, for his for his baptism earlier this spring uh, and uh, what a joy it, it is to see him growing in the faith and uh, learning scripture and um, eager to to be public about his faith in Jesus. So we pray, Lord, that you'd use this week to grow him, uh, to continue to mature him. I pray as well for Sonny, who's a counselor at Fairhaven. Pray that you'd be at work through her this week, Lord, that that many kids would hear the gospel of Jesus uh, because of her, that she would be, um, Lord, a, a clear communicator in her words but also in her actions of the love of Christ. and. We pray that you'd be uh, at work in her life, too, even as she seeks to minister, that she would be ministered to by the word and that she would continue to grow. Pray for both for Camp for Haven and for Camp Living Waters and their, their ministry overall, that you continue to bless and that there would be fruit there this summer. Father, we, we also pray for the families of Betty Randall and Nancy Mitchell. Um, Lord, one, one family that's seen two deaths um, in such a short amount of time and uh, with two services this weekend. And we pray your, your covering of blessing over that family. Um, pray for a palpable sense of your spirit in their lives. You would comfort those who mourn as you promised to Jesus. That uh, that Christ you would be their hope both in life and in death Father we thank you for this time we have together we thank you for what a joy it is to to be a part of your people and uh We thank you for this church on the hill. We pray that you bless the rest of our time together. Be at work among us, O God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Let's lift Angie up. Uh, Angie Harriman's having surgery on Tuesday, and, and Kevin's, Kevin told her we'd be praying for her. So let's, let's pray for Angie. Father, we lift up Angie to you, and what a difficult road she's walked in the past months uh, with the loss of her husband. And we, we just pray, Father, that your, your blessing over her life, and particularly over the surgery, that everything would go smoothly, um, that we uh, um, should be able to recover quickly, uh, from whatever the, whatever it is, the surgery is, and that um, that she'd be well soon. More than just her physical health, we pray for her heart. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort her. We pray, Jesus, that you would uh, you would so make yourself known to her that she would trust on you. That she would come to love you, Jesus, and to. To put her faith in you. Mm-hmm. Pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Mm-hmm. Cindy? Mm-hmm. Angie, okay, I'm sorry. That's, I'm sorry about that. Cindy, Not Cindy. That's, Not Cindy. Yeah. that's my mistake. There's a lot of yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. That's my mistake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for your prayers for Nora Jean. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna sing a song. Uh, I guess I'll lead it, unless you want to run up, Kevin. Uh, number five eighty one. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I think you know that one. I'm
0: game. <laughs> what number? Five eighty one. 581. Let's sing the first, the second, and the
1: fourth. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for to trust his cleansing blood just in simple faith to plunge me the healing cleansing flood jesus jesus how i trust him how i I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, And I know that thou art with me, Will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more.
0: Amen. You may be seated.
3: Thank you, Kevin. The text for this morning is going to be found in Mark chapter 12, if you want to open your Bibles there, Mark 12, verses 35 through 37, and you may remember the last few weeks we've looked at Jesus' interaction with the religious leaders in the temple, and he's dealt with basically three questions um, that mostly hostile um, opponents have raised to try and trip him up. Three questions in a row. Um, And uh, each time Jesus dodged their blow. And uh, and this morning, in a a sense, he's gonna deliver the knockout. Now Jesus is going to answer them back with another question that they have no answer for. So um, he's, he's gonna raise the question of the Messiah. And he's gonna subtly point to his true identity as the savior of Israel. Here I am talking about opening up your Bibles, Mark 12, (laughs) starting in verse 35. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, How is it that the teachers of the law say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would light up your word this morning by your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. Set our eyes on Jesus and help us to rejoice in all that he is. We pray this in his name. Amen. So as I've just said, the last three sermons, we kind of see Jesus on the defensive. He's defending against the Pharisees' questions. Now he's turned the tables to deliver the knockout blow. And as we just read, Jesus has a question for the scribes and for the Pharisees, namely this, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David if David calls him Lord? And we're going to examine that question as we move along. This, this would have been quite a riddle for the religious leaders, Um. And as we see, the, the religious leaders had no answer. The crowd was delighted and the Pharisees were silent. The scribes had nothing to say. But the religious leaders of Jesus' day would have been intensely interested in this kind of question. They were intensely interested in the, who they called the Christ, the Messiah. Both of those words mean the same thing, anointed one, chosen one of God. Uh, in different languages christ is in greek messiah is in hebrew same same idea though the chosen one the anointed one of god and the old testament promised that one day a messiah this chosen anointed one would come and restore the glory of god's people israel and this messiah this anointed savior was supposed to be born of the line of david the line of david so that's why this David figure comes in here. You all know David, right? He's the one who killed Goliath. You know the story. And, uh, and later when he was grown, he became the king of, of God's people. And he was a great king. In the history of Israel, David was the greatest of all the kings of God's people. He was a poet, he was a songwriter, he was a great warrior and general. And despite his sins, he had his flaws, He was a man after God's own heart. And the time of David really was the golden age of Israel. They were the golden days of Israel. And God made a great promise to David, this great king. He said that he would maintain the line of David's descendants on the throne of David forever. There would always be a king on David's throne. But as we read the rest of the Old Testament, after that great promise, we see that the line of David's descendants failed. Really, none of the kings in his line ever lived up quite to the glory of their father. Solomon, his son, began to stray, and soon after that, the whole kingdom fractured. Eventually, the the kingdom ceased to exist. It came to utter destruction. Um, under the hand of God's judgment, actually, because the people had wandered from their God. But the people remembered God's promise. God, God, you promised to keep a son of David on the throne forever. And God reassured them through his prophets that one day he would send a new king to take back David's throne and to restore the golden day's of Israel and that hope that King was the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen King of God. So obviously God's people anticipated that when Messiah came, he would be David's son. He would be a descendant of David because he was supposed to reign on David's throne. That's exactly what the crowds were shouting when Jesus entered Jerusalem. We talked about this um, the the week before Easter, right? Palm Sunday. Jesus' triumphal entry, and what did they shout? Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David. Some of the people in Jerusalem had already made the connection. This Jesus, we think he's the Messiah. We think he's the Son of David. he was the son of david came come to save his people and to renew the throne of his father and physically G- jesus was a son of david both physically through his mother mary and legally through his adoptive father joseph jesus was literally descended from king david he was of the line of david he was david's son So let's return to Jesus' riddle here, given that context. Jesus knew that everyone knew that the Messiah was supposed to be the Son of David. Everyone knows that. We all know that now. But he Jesus wanted them to think even more deeply about the Messiah, to look at one of the most important passages in the Old Testament to understand the true identity of the Messiah. Messiah is not just David's son. We're going to read the passage again, and Jesus is going to quote from Psalm 110, which is the most quoted passage out of the Old Testament in the New Testament. The New Testament writers quote Psalm 110 more than any other single passage in the Old Testament. So starting in verse 35, Jesus, as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the christ is the son of david david himself in the holy spirit declared the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i put your enemies under your feet david himself calls him lord so how is he his son we're going to look at that very closely on the way by we, this is a wonderful glimpse we get into Jesus' understanding of Scripture. Right. Jesus read the Psalms, many of which were written by David. Right. He's very familiar with the Old Testament. And, and Jesus understood that behind the human author, right, behind David who wrote Psalm 110, God was at work. Jesus understood the Old Testament is not merely the word of man. Verse 36, this is Jesus' words. He says, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared. This is one of the many places in Scripture which allude to the dual authorship of Scripture. This book was written by human authors who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So who wrote the Bible, God or men? Yes. God wrote this book. And he did so using human brains and hands and eyes and hearts. And this is a really clear uh, teaching from Jesus himself of that doctrine. David wrote Psalm 110. The Holy Spirit wrote Psalm 110. God wrote Psalm 110, verse 36. David himself in the Holy Spirit declared. So what does Psalm 110 teach? Psalm 110, which Jesus is quoting from, teaches about the coming of the Messiah. And it was written by David. It's from David's voice. And listen to what David says. King David, writing, hundreds of years before jesus he says the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand so the first lord there if you go all the way back to psalm 110 and and look at it in the hebrew the lord there is the hebrew word yahweh which is the proper name of god the i am okay the one who is if you flip back to one psalm 110 in your bibles it 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 should be the lord in all caps and that's a sign to you that underneath the English word Lord, that's the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is actually, um, the Jews consider unpronounceable. It's so holy a name. The second word, Lord, is a different word. The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, Adonai, which is a, a, a more generic term for master or for Lord. But very often in scripture, Adonai also re- refers to God. In fact, the Jews, when they read, when they see Yahweh written in Hebrew, they don't say it, they say Adonai in place. That's the word they use to refer to God. So it's, the Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, Adonai, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And the scribes of the day all agreed that this psalm was referring to Messiah, Messiah that when David says, my Lord, he's referring to the Christ. So Jesus asks the question, how, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David if the Christ is also the Lord of David? This may not make sense so much in our culture, but in Jewish thinking, it just wouldn't make sense for someone's son, someone's descendant, to also be their Lord. In ancient Jewish and in ancient Near Eastern thinking, it's always the eldest in the community who are the most honored. It's always the most ancient ancestors who in a sense have the most honor, the most glory. Um, and in fact, just in the way they talked about the Messiah, it was assumed that, that David actually has more glory than the Messiah, right? David's not called um, Messiah's dad, right? Messiah is called David's son. They were thinking Messiah kind of derives his glory from David. Messiah has glory because he sits on David's throne. So how can it be that David referred to the Messiah as his Lord? David's not Messiah's Lord. Messiah is David's Lord. How can that be? Jesus is implying, somehow, whoever Messiah is, Messiah has to be at the same time descended from David and greater than David, exceeding the glory even of the golden king of Israel. That's the dilemma. That's the the, the sort of riddle that Jesus is spinning. How is that possible? What kind of Messiah could be both? That's actually our big idea this morning. The Messiah is both David's son and David's Lord. That's the riddle. And you may be saying to yourself this morning, well, that's all very, very fine and good, Jewett. <laughs> what does this Messiah business have to do with us? It's all very well that Messiah is David's something or other, but what, what, what about me? What does that matter to me i want to give you two reasons why this perhaps seemingly obscure riddle is intensely relevant to us today first this davidic riddle shows us that jesus is more than a human messiah jesus is more than a human messiah this is the implied answer to jesus's question jesus doesn't spell it out for the crowd. He doesn't answer his own question. He just raises it. Um, It'd be a very confusing sermon if I just raised questions. Um, I don't dare to do it, but Jesus did. His listeners didn't understand the, the key to the riddle, but with hindsight, we do. His listeners didn't understand either that Jesus was the Messiah or that the Messiah had to be not merely a man, but the incarnate Son of God. With the benefit of hindsight, we can understand exactly how Messiah could be both David's Son and David's Lord. Right? It's Jesus. Jesus was a human being, born of Mary, descended Physically from David. He's David's son, 100%. But he had no human father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was and is truly God as well as being truly man. David's son? Certainly. David's Lord? How could it be otherwise? Jesus is more than merely a human Messiah. He's the divine son of God. And this Davidic riddle raises that question. It says, how could it be? How could it be that he could be both? And that's sort of the, that's the toss in the air that that the incarnation of Jesus hits out of the park, right? That's how it is. That's the mystery that David was referring to in Psalm 110 hundreds of years ago. It's Jesus. Jesus is more than a human Messiah. He's the divine Son of God. And this should matter to us. If Jesus had been merely a human king, if he had come to Israel and restored the glory of David's throne as a human Messiah, his reforms would have lasted a generation and then faded. And Jesus of Nazareth would be to us an obscure historical footnote. But Jesus is more than a merely human Messiah. In the person of Jesus, heaven and earth kiss. In the person of Jesus, God came near. David's Lord should matter to us because the only Lord David ever served was the God of heaven and earth. And this is, this is so important, this is so relevant, because so many people wonder what's beyond death, what lies behind the grave. If there's a God out there, is there something more than this physical dimension? People have a sense that there's something more, something beyond all this. But by definition, if there's something beyond what we can experience physically, we can't experience it physically. Right? It's, it's literally beyond our sense experience. So a lot of people, especially today, go through life as spiritual agnostics or seekers. There's probably something out there. There's probably something out there beyond all this, but how can we know for sure? And Jesus' Davidic riddle here hints at the answer to the conundrum because if the Messiah is God in the flesh, then Jesus is the key to how we know what's out there. If Messiah is God in the flesh, then Messiah is out thereness breaking into inhereness. In Jesus, the spiritual took on flesh, God took on humanity, the unknowable became knowable, the unseeable became seeable, the untouchable became touchable. Jesus is the answer to the human longing to know eternity. That's why this Davidic riddle matters. It points us to the reality that Jesus is more than a merely human Messiah. He's God in the flesh. Secondly, the Davidic riddle matters because it points us to the reality that Jesus reigns over all things even today. Jesus reigns over all things. Take a look at verse 36 again. David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. I want to sit on this word for a second. According to Psalm 110, the Messiah will be asked to sit at the right hand of God. The sitting is important. Sitting, especially in the ancient world, is what rulers did. Think think even about the stereotypical throne room scene you see in the movies, right? Come into the room, and the king, seated on the throne, maybe on a platform, and if you come into the room, are you seated? You're standing, right? And until the king says you can sit, you stand. Because sitting is a sign of authority. Even in our own culture, um, we don't have kings, but we have Congress, right? And Congress sits, right? They literally have chairs. But the way we talk about um, Congress meeting is we talk about a session of Congress. And session means a sitting, that's what the word means. It, it means to sit. Um, or judges too, right, They're, they have a, a court session, which means a sitting. Um, the court sits, up, in, the judge sits in the chair and, and passes down judgment. So Psalm 110 is describing what theologians have called the session of Christ the sitting of Christ, not because he's tired, because he's the king, because he rules, because he has authority. That's why Jesus sits at the right hand of God, not at the right hand of some earthly king, but at the right hand of the king of the universe. And this is a somewhat neglected doctrine today Right? We all know about Jesus' birth at Christmas. We all know about his death. We know about his resurrection. We look forward to his return. But where is he now? Where did, what did Jesus do after he was resurrected? He ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father, the session of Christ. Hebrews 12, verse 2 looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, not on break, on duty as the king of the universe. And Psalm 110 is a prophetic psalm. David's looking forward to this future session of Christ He's describing the reign of Christ at the right hand of the Father. And that's exactly where Jesus is right now. Jesus is not a long-forgotten king, hidden, dusty in the annals of history. He reigns, even now, at the right hand of your creator. He is the king. So what does that mean for us? What's... It's our responsibility as Christians. Our responsibility as Christians is to live like he's the king. He's going to come again one day and we're living in a world that rejects him. So our responsibility is faithfulness. Faithfulness to the king, even surrounded by people who've forgotten him. We know who the true king is. We acknowledge him. As scripture says, though we have not seen him, we love him. Though we do not now see him, we believe in him. And we pledge our lives to him, to to love him, to serve him, to obey him, to serve the rightful king over all things. I was moved this week reading um, R.C. Sproul, who comments on this passage, and he shares a a story. I want to quote him at length. Quote, I love the legend of Robin Hood. In one version of the story, King Richard, the Lionheart, leaves England to fight in the Crusades, leaving his brother, Prince John, in charge of the realm. John mismanages the kingdom for his own benefit, forcing Robin and others to become outlaws. Robin and his compatriots, known as the Merry Men, live in Sherwood Forest, running away from John and from his henchman, the Sheriff of Nottingham. You all know the story. I'll continue to quote Sproul here. The Merry Men are known for their joy, but they are known especially for their loyalty. They want to protect the realm until their king comes home. Sproul continues, My favorite part of the story happens near the end, when Richard returns to England in the guise of a monk. At an inn, he hears talk about Robin Hood and his opposition to Prince John, so he purposely travels through Sherwood Forest. Suddenly, Robin and his men waylay Richard and his fellow travelers and try to relieve the king of his purse. The king asks Robin, Why are you doing this? And Robin replies, Because I owe my allegiance to the true king. And Richard pulls off the monk's garments and displays the lion and the cross on his chest. And Robin recognizes him and falls on his knees and says, My liege. End quote. That's us. We're waiting for the return of the rightful king. He reigns even now seated at the right hand and our responsibility is to be faithful to him regardless of who sits on the earthly thrones. Let's hold that picture in our minds and our hearts. The returning king, come quickly Lord Jesus. And he is coming again. Take a, take a look again at verse 36. There's so much packed in here. Jesus won't be seated forever. Verse 36, David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until. He's going to get up one day. Until I put your enemies under your feet. God has seated Christ at his right hand for a time until Christ is given final victory over all things in heaven and on earth. And the rest of Psalm 110 describes the victory that Christ will be given. I'm gonna just read the rest of the psalm. It's not too long. Psalm 110, beginning in verse two. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. It matters that Jesus is David's Lord. Just listen to what God has promised him. Jesus is gentle and he's kind towards those who come to him in repentance and faith but for those who continue to rebel against him, who continue to live in outright rebellion against their creator, Christ, will return in wrath. This means that no one will be able to continue in sin and in rebellion forever. Jesus is reigning now, and he will reign until all things, all people, every atom of creation bends the knee to the creator. Jesus is not a mere man to be ignored. He is God in the flesh, and He is seated in heaven, and He will reign over all things. Jesus is David's son and David's Lord. So, what will we do with Him? What will we do with this reigning King? It's interesting what the crowd did. Verse 37. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. It's an interesting word. The Greek root is the same word we get the word hedonism from enjoyment. They heard him gladly. My impression here is that they got a kick out of Jesus. What an interesting riddle. You know, I've never thought about Psalm 110 that way before. It's actually the same word that Mark used of King Herod when King Herod imprisoned John the Baptist back in Mark 6, verse 20. I'll read it. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Herod thought Jesus was interesting, but not worth following. He he thought what he said was stimulating, but not worth obeying. Same with the crowd here. They thought his riddle was entertaining, but they weren't committed to him. They didn't stick around a few days later when he was crucified. I suppose the lesson here is that Jesus is not someone to play around with. He's not here for our entertainment. He's seated at the right hand for our salvation. Don't just hear him gladly, hear him obediently. He's the Lord, the King of David and of all things. If you've never encountered Jesus before, I'd encourage you, go to him today. Confess your sin and your rebellion. Confess your refusal to bend the knee to the king. Go to him for forgiveness. He'll give it to you. And then make King Jesus the true north of your life. Set your eyes on following him, on serving him, on loving him with everything. Worship him as your lord and as your king. He's a good king. He's he's the true lion heart. The powers of this world seek only to abuse this world and to abuse this good creation. The devil seeks to devour. Sin will kill you. The world, especially in our day, seeks to lead men and women astray into various lusts and empty, vain pursuits. Hold to Christ. Hold to the Lionheart. Hold on for the return of the King, the Son, and the Lord of David. Fix in your mind the vision, the glorious vision of Christ on the throne. He's there now. By faith, see him there and worship and obey him. Let's serve the Lord of David faithfully now in exile so that we'll be able to greet him joyfully at his glorious return. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the Son and the Lord of David. and you are our king. And we're astounded to think that you sit at the right hand of God even now, and you reign over all things. And we wanna be faithful to you. We ask that you'd give us eyes of faith, that you'd keep us from being turned away by the desires of this world, the cares of this life, that we'd fix our eyes on you, our King, and that we would serve you and love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Teach us this week, Father, to serve and to love the Son and Lord of David, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right, we'll have one one more song before we close.
0: Our final hymn is uh, 370. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Let's stand and sing all four verses and let's sing this mindfully uh, as as Jesus is our Lord and King. three hundred and seventy.